It is good to be with you this morning. Lauren and I uh, have had uh, a few days together where some dear fam- family friends have been taking care of our daughters, and we just wish we could go back in time to our ourselves before children and tell us to cherish. You know, evenings where nobody's saying mama or daddy every 15 seconds and those kinds of things. And yet, there's also this part of me that really misses them. And so, they're going to be back tomorrow, and I'll be back to wishing I had cherished the last four days. But uh, it's, it's good to be with all of you, and, and it's good to be with family. There's a couple of things that I, I want to mention uh, before the sermon. The first is, I'm just always so encouraged when... Uh, one of our missionaries visits us and speaks to us. And Casper, I want to thank you so much for reminding us of, of our God who is love, reminding us of uh, mission that we are called to be a part of that calls us into our own neighborhoods and into our own workplaces, but also calls us to places all the way across the world. Uh, I'm thankful for our mission, uh, mission trips from the DR that just got back and, and the Dry Bones trip that's about to leave today. I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of a church who is trying in every way to fall more in love with what God calls us to be and do. And there's always room for improvement. There's always ways we can be more faithful. And yet I think we rob ourselves too often of celebration moments like this morning where we get to be visited by Casper and we get to be reminded Uh, of what's going on in this world. Uh, And I want to encourage you. You know, if you're someone like me, there are times in my life where I have to admit in a lot of my relationships, uh, I I tend to think of someone when I'm with them. I tend to think of them a couple of days after I've seen them. But if they're gone for a long time, I I, I start to kind of have that experience of out of sight, out of mind. And that can happen at times with our missionaries. And so I just want to encourage you, every single one of you, to pray for the Steen Camps, to pray for what they're doing, to pray for all of those, those students and those families that are touched by the outreach ministry they have through sports, to ask for God to use sports to do something redemptive in, in the, the lives of those people and, and in the lives of the Steen Camps. Pray for our other missionaries. I, I think we, we too often don't mention one another enough uh, by name to God. And I think we need to be a church that does that. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, The other thing I want to say is is something to celebrate is uh, our VBS that just took place this last week. Uh, Stephen Leggett, during our sending, is going to honor all of the volunteers. And and thank you for that. We, We want, in as many ways as we can, to thank all of the people who sacrifice time and energy and effort. Uh, for, for that time of the year, every year, where it's just crazy, but it's fun. Uh, I see things happen on this stage that I have not seen happen at any other church that I've been a part of. Uh, and, and, and yet it's all in order to try to share a story with children and their families. And I'm glad. I don't have the spiritual gift, but I'm glad that there are those of you who can be silly for Jesus, right? That you can just be ridiculous for, for Jesus. I didn't mean to talk us into a clap, but let's clap for those people because uh, that is definitely not my spiritual gift. If I'm silly, it's always on accident. And so, uh, but one of the things that, that's important with something like that is, is to also have moments of, of catching your breath, 
right, after something like that. And so uh, one of the things we do every year, and, I, and I'm the one making this announcement because it's right in the middle of, of church and it's got the highest likelihood of everyone being in this room. Uh, for the next couple of Wednesday nights, we're scaling things back for the sake of all of our, our volunteers who gave hours and hours of time and effort. And so most of our, our events that happen at the building on Wednesday night for the next two Wednesday nights will not be taking place. We are going to have a, an adult class in the chapel. Uh, if you're in a small group or a smaller class that meets, get with your teacher to find out what they've decided to do. But we, we want to honor our, our volunteers not only by you know, patting them on the back or clapping for them, but also asking for them to take some time uh, to recharge and renew. And so that's going to be happening the next couple of Wednesday nights, and we want everyone uh, to know that. Let's pray. God, as we get ready to open your word once again, we ask that you would help us to be people who listen with our whole hearts and minds and soul and and strength. We want to be your people, and we know that one of the keys to becoming your people is listening to your word. And so as we get ready to do that, God, we we ask you to prepare our hearts. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So as I watched VBS unfold last week, and, and as our church family really focused on the story of Esther, I was caught up once again, my, my imagination was, was caught up to the truth that, that so often in our, our experience, God, well, God is anything but obvious in the world around us, in, in the situations we find ourselves in. In fact, God, God at times, if we're going to be honest, seems hidden from us. You know, God moves not only in mysterious ways, but, but often moves in ways that we just don't see, that we don't understand, that we don't catch. And usually it's because we're looking in other places and we're distracted or, or we're thinking about how we're going to handle the situation without God. But oftentimes, even if we are looking, even if we are trying to focus, there's so many other things that are pressing in on us that it can be difficult As people of faith, I think we want to believe that that God is always easy for us to see and hear and encounter, but but at least in my faith journey, I have found that, that like Jesus on the cross, there are times in my relationship with God when I feel like I need God most, and if I were to say an honest prayer, the words of that prayer would be, where are you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken us? What we have in the story of Esther is a story that's told for people who feel like the God that they worship, the God that they are trying to to fix their eyes on, is, is almost impossible for them to see. That God is hidden from them. And the question is, what are they going to do when they realize that? Are they going to feel betrayed? Are are they going to be so angry with God that they stop talking to God? Are are they going to decide that that God, for for some reason that they can't understand, has, has abandoned them and left them on their own to try to fix things and work things out? What, what do God's people do when they find themselves in, in an almost impossible situation with an uncertain future? 
It's not an accident that the person who writes down the story of Esther never uses God's name in the entire book. Now, part of that could be because by the time Esther is written down, there would be consequences for having a book that has God's name in it somewhere, which would, which would mean that, that this time in the life of Israel, it's not just like it happens every once in a while, that there's, there's a whole set of years where God's people are living in a world where maybe even saying God's name is something that could get you killed. And in that kind of world, where even saying God's name is something that that could get you killed, do you keep saying God's name? Even in the privacy of your own hearts, even even in your prayer time, even, even when nobody else is around, do you still call on God's name when things in the world, things in your life, have unfolded in a way where it's dangerous and it's frightening and you're just not sure? Where, where do you go then? Where, where do you turn then? What, what are we supposed to do then? So, so we have this book where God's people are in that place. And what do they do? Well, what we find them doing is to decide that even if they don't understand it, even if they can't see God, they believe, they choose to be convicted of the fact that God is still there that God is with them, that God has not abandoned them, and that they're not going to abandon their faith in God. And so what they do is they decide that they're going to keep living the way God has called them to live, and they're going to keep trusting that at some point, at just the right time, God, this God who is so often hidden from us, will reveal himself and do what only God can do. Because they're not in positions of power. They're they're not in in a place where they can call the shots. And so they have to trust. We we sing a song sometimes, Trust and Obey. It reminds me of of being in church as a kid. And my my mom singing that song not only in in church, but singing that over us at home. And and that song becoming something that that lived in my heart. that, That... When I didn't know what else to do, I could still decide to trust and obey. That's what we find God's people doing in the story of Esther. And by the time you get to the midpoint of that story, it's not like their obedience is just making everything go exactly the way they want it to. There's this this guy named Haman that has become a a special advisor to the king. And because of of bad history and bad blood, he decides that he's going to do everything in his power to get rid of all of God's people in the Persian Empire. He's going to wipe them out. And so he tricks the king into being convinced that, that the Jews are their enemy and that they're going to somehow suddenly get all kinds of military power or do something to undermine the security of the Persian Empire. And that has to be maintained over anything else. And so the king agrees and says, yeah, we're going to set a date. And so there's this legalized wholesale slaughter of, of God's people. It hasn't happened yet, but there's a day set aside for it to happen. And all the while, God's people have been trying their best to, to trust and obey, and then this happens. And the question is, what are they going to do? And you, you've got this, this Jewish man named Mordecai who reaches out to his cousin Esther who's also a Jew, and, and she has just won an empire-wide beauty contest. And so now she, she's serving as the queen of Persia. And as the queen, she doesn't really have all that much official power. 
but she does have a lot of personal relational power with the king. He adores her. And he would have never signed off on this state-sponsored slaughter of her people if he had ever known that's what was happening. But he doesn't know. And Mordecai knows that it's time for Esther to tell him, to, to tell the king the truth, to see if there's anything she can do, anything she can say to stop the way the story's going. And she's reluctant. Because in the empire of, of Persia, if you approach the king without being invited first, that's a crime that's punishable by death unless the king decides to show his mercy and invite you in. She doesn't want to risk her life. She doesn't want to risk her life to save the countless lives of other people in her family. Because she's scared. Because she's intimidated. Because she's not sure that if she risks her life, it's going to work out at all. And yet, she knows. She knows the right thing to do. And she needs Mordecai to care enough about not just her and not just him, but everybody else in the story to ask her, even though she's scared, to ask her, even though she's intimidated, to do what she knows God would have her do. If you've got your Bible, open up to Esther chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 12 through 14. We read some of these verses last Sunday, and we focused our hearts on them this whole week. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, which basically were the words, I'm scared. He sent back this answer. Don't think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. There's really only one sermon in Esther, and here I am preaching two. But, but it's a central question that I think, I think is a lot deeper than at first when we hear it, we understand. I think part of it's because it's an old story, and it involves kings and queens and, and empires, and it, it almost has all the elements of a fairy tale. Except for this fairy tale is not too good to be true. It's too good not to be true. But I think when we read things that feel that distant from our daily experience, it's easy for us to read ourselves out of the story instead of reading ourselves into the story. Mordecai knows what he's asking Esther to do. And, and I, I don't think he's certain of some of the things that he says in the passage we read. I don't, I don't think he knows for certain that if she doesn't speak up, that she's going to lose her life with all the rest of the Jews. I think he knows that if she doesn't speak up and all of the, the other Jews lose their lives, she's not going to be able to live with herself. Because so far she's kept the secret. Maybe she could keep it for the rest of her life. I don't know. He's not certain of a lot of things as he's talking to her. Except for he does know what he believes God would have her do. And he knows what God would have him do. And what he's asking for her to understand is she has a choice here. 
She can say yes to what God would have her do. She can trust and obey, or she can say no and try to live with the consequences of that decision. Because he says to her, you're probably going to get found out at one time or another, and if you don't say yes to this moment, if you don't do what God would have you do, if you, if you decide not to be the person God has created you to be, I believe, Mordecai says, that God will find a way to deliver the Jews through another time and another place. That, that if you say no, that's not going to stop God from doing what God has promised to do. But Esther, this is your moment to decide, do, do you want to say yes? Do you want to say yes? And that question, it's a, it's a question that stays with Who knows, but if you're in the position for such a time as this. It's, it's an easy question to say. It's a whole lot more difficult for each one of us to find our honest answer. God's activity in our world is anything but obvious. There are times where, where we have to admit that in our own experience, it's not just that God moves in mysterious ways, it's that God moves in hidden ways. And yet God is moving, God is working, even when things in our world and in our lives could not be further from what we believe they should be. Even when the wrong people are in positions of great official power or we're afraid they're about to get into positions of power. Even when life seems cheap and time seems short and hope seems like it's nothing more than than wishful thinking. God is moving. God is working. God is with us, inviting us into a way of life that is never just about us being blessed, but is always also about us finding a way to bless everyone around us. And you and I, we can actually see this God-given life of blessing unfolding in the life of the world. We just have to look. We have to look hard enough. We, we have to we have to, to listen as, as much as we possibly can. We can see marriages where both the people in that marriage care more about the other person's happiness than their own. Those marriages exist. There are marriages just like that in this room. That is God's life of blessing unfolding in the life of the world. We, we can see conflicts that actually lead to better mutual understanding instead of conflicts where one side wins and the other side loses and the side that wins does everything it can to get rid of the other side, to, to wipe it out. And when we see conflicts that lead to mutual understanding and mutual appreciation of, of people who, who didn't, get along before. That is God's life of blessing unfolding in the life of the world. We just have to look for it. We have to, we have to listen for it. When, when we see money that is used to help those who are in desperate need instead of used by people who already have far more than they need. That is God's life of blessing unfolding in the life of the world. And we can see it if we'll look hard enough, if we'll listen closely enough. We can see the truth overcoming lies and, and peace overcoming strife. It's not all we can see, and it's not the first thing that we see. But, but I promise you, it's there. Just like God's presence in Esther 
He's never mentioned by name, and yet God is underneath every other name that's in that story. That God's presence is there. It just, it takes, it takes reflection, and it takes a better imagination of how we're going to partner with God. How we're going to to accept God's invitation, to be a part of what God's doing. Who knows, but, but that you're in the position you're in for such a time as this. Esther has to find a way to answer that question for herself, but even Esther can't answer that question for you. And I believe this morning that God is wanting us to wrestle with that question. Who knows, but that you're in the position you're in for such a time as this. I want you to stop and think for a moment about all the different roles you play in your life. I want you to think about all the different positions that you're in, that, that God has placed you in. I mean, when, when, when I think about myself, I mean, just for starters, I'm a Christian son, brother, husband, father, friend, and minister. And in each one of those roles, I find that I have some amount of influence, even if I'm not the one in charge or the one calling the shots, I have power in that relationship. It's a role that I've been given. And the question is, how am I using that influence? How am I choosing to speak? How am I choosing to act as I think about the other person that I'm in a relationship with and and what I believe that God is trying to do for them and in them and through them? And the question comes up, who knows? But maybe I'm in this position This one that I'm in for just a time is this. What are all the roles that you have in your life? Because you have things you can do, things you can say, actions you can take to help the life of blessing that God wants, not just for you, but for everyone that you care about, everyone in this world. How could you actually find a way to say yes what God is asking you to do. And what I have found in my life is there are many times when what God asks me to do is what I already want to do. But that's not really the test of my relationship with God. That's not really the test of whether or not I trust God. I only learn that I trust God when I agree to do the things that I know God wants me to do that I don't want to do. And that's when it gets hard. And it's especially even more difficult if, if I know what I should do, if I, if I know what God would have me do, and at the moment I'm having a hard time hearing from God. I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time seeing God. The question is, even then will I say yes? Even then will I sing with my life the song, Trust and Obey? Nobody else can make me do that. No preacher, no elder, no spouse, no coworker, no friend, nobody can make me do that. I have to choose to do that. You have to choose. Esther finds a way to say yes. She goes to the king and she she tells him the truth. I mean, that's effectively that's what is scaring her so much is to go to her husband, who adores her, and tell him the truth. 
And it's not going to be a truth he wants to hear. She knows that. It's not going to be a truth that simplifies things for him or for anybody else. It's, it's actually going to be a truth that throws a wrench into everything that's about to unfold. But it's, it's, it's God's truth. And does she have the courage to speak those words? And the consequence is dire. I mean, she could lose her life. But she loves all the other people of God, right? She, she loves all the men, women, and children of Israelite heritage that, that are on the verge of losing their lives. And if that's, what, if that's what's at stake, she's willing to say yes. See, I think too often in our lives, we don't understand what's actually at stake, Your marriage is at stake in whether or not you say yes to God and how you treat your spouse. And if your marriage is at stake, then your children's lives are at stake. And if your children's lives are at stake, then all the people who they will have a relationship with, not just now but forever, it's at stake. Every word you say Every decision you make, are you going to trust that when God says that marriage is not about what you can get out of it, it's about what you can give to the other person, will you trust and obey? The church is the only place I know in the world that says that your marriage is never about you. Do we believe that? Do we believe our marriage is about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and our spouse and that we get to be a part of that? Or did you marry somebody because of how they made you feel about you? And when they stop making you feel that way about you, you start to try to find a way out. How you treat your coworkers, how you treat people outside of your home, whether that's at a workplace or just community gathering places, how we talk. It either tells God's truth about this life of blessing that's never just about me being blessed, it's about all of us being blessed. There's so much at stake. I mean, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to listen to me. You just need to go ahead and read news headlines for as long as you can handle it. To find out that our very world is at stake because people trust that they know better than God knows. Because when people get afraid, there are all kinds of moments where they just don't have the courage that Esther has or the wisdom that Mordecai has to figure out what, what do we know what God would have us do. And instead of coming up with reasons why we don't need to do it, technically, we find, way, we find the courage and the wisdom to do exactly what God has asked us to do. I mean, I'm not going to talk about politics in here, but you all dragged it in here when you came in. The future of the world is of this world is at stake in how we talk about what we believe God is doing now and will do in the future. And 
Brothers and sisters, there are too many of us who are talking like if we could just get our leader to be in the most important seat, then everything else in the world would work out. And let me tell you something, that's not true. It's not true. And if people motivate you by trying to make you more afraid than you already are, they're not speaking for God. God says over and over again, don't be afraid. When people have very good reason to be afraid, God says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm here. Now, brothers and sisters, I know he's also hidden. And he's hidden in different ways from each one of us. But we're supposed to be people of great courage. We're supposed to be people of great hope. We're supposed to be people who trust and obey when we can't see that there's a different way, right? We can't find some, some strategy or some plan that we can carry out. We, we have to choose to believe, like Esther and Mordecai and countless other people through, through the centuries have chosen to believe that even if nobody else believes that God is the king of this, this world, that God is the king of this universe, that you and I believe it and that we find our confidence and our security in that truth. We are God's people. We belong to God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is never in trouble. That's who we are. It's what we believe. It's the story we've been trying to focus our hearts on for the last week, and it's a story that had better leave this room, and it had better live with us, and it had better be at our dinner tables, and it had better be at our, in our schools, and it better be in our workplaces, and it better be at our restaurants, and we better, we better find a way, even when it's difficult and even when it's challenging, to find all the places that God is already present in the people that we encounter. That we find all the ways that God is calling us to love people who are are incredibly difficult for us to love, incredibly difficult for us to understand that we believe that that is who God has called us to be, and we trust that even if we're obeying right now and living in obedience right now and things aren't looking the way we want them to look, the answer isn't to decide that we know better than God. The answer is to keep saying yes to what God is asking us to do because there is a moment coming where we will realize you will realize you were in that marriage for such a time as this. And you have those children for such a time as this. And you have those co-workers for such a time as this. And you have friends for such a time as this. And, and you see the opening. You see the break in the clouds. And you see the invitation from God to be and do what only you can do. That God has equipped you to do. That God is asking you to do. And the question is, will you and I find the courage and the wisdom to always say yes? We're going to sing together now. And as we do, our, our shepherds and their wives are going to be standing in various places throughout the auditorium. Uh, they're there to, to pray with you, to talk with you, to be community to you. And so if you came this morning and you have anything at all you'd like to pray about... If, if you're a visitor this morning and you'd like to learn more about our church and what we believe, or what does it mean to become a Christian, um, if, if you have any concerns at all or any hopes at all that you want to share with a Christian couple, um, please go to them as we stand and sing.
I'm going to ask them to stand out. Let's stand together and sing. Find those couples. Find a way to, to be trusting and obedient in this coming week.